Good morning, Life Church Livonia. Welcome. My name's Kate. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I'm going to be jumping into Psalm 103. We are in the middle of our series where we are unpacking a ton of the Psalms, okay? And we're studying them and we're learning and we're seeing that there are so many different ways of experiencing God, of talking to God, of crying out to Him. And we see in each of these different Psalms, we see pain, we see joy, we see grief and anger. And today, as I jump into Psalm 103, we get to experiencing, uh, we get to experience something different, which is praise. And before I jump into that, though, I wanted to start off with a powerful story of transformation in my life. One night, I got the privilege of showing up for a friend who was really struggling, and I was able to be there for her while she was experiencing major heartache. She was sad and hurting, and I got to be there and hold space and support her. I got to love her really well. On my way home from that hangout session, I had a divine meeting with a guy. He was so helpful in pointing out um, these these things that I really needed to take a good hard look at. He was kind and he was helpful. He provided an opportunity for me to settle into some isolated time to reflect and evaluate some of these things that I needed to take a look at. It was pretty quiet and reserved space where I could just be alone and reflect. How often do we get that kind of space? After this experience of reflecting and through some time and communications, I was able to give money to an organization that exists to provide accountability to people. <laughs> okay, now let's take a good hard look at that story from a different angle. I was actually hanging out with a friend drinking, underage. <laughs> On my way home, I got pulled over by a cop and I was arrested because I had alcohol in my system and I wasn't 21. I was making really poor, selfish, and unhealthy decisions in a lot of my life. I was coping with drugs and alcohol and a lot of self-justification. The cop took me to jail. He impounded my car and I had an isolated night in a jail cell. I definitely had some time to reflect and to think about some things. <laughs> because of this arrest, I had to pay a lot of fines to the city and do a bunch of community service. I was mandated to do a ton of substance abuse classes. Is that interesting? Perspective, right? Both versions of the stories that I just shared with you are true. And I don't want to get it twisted. In version one, I was able to spin that story in some pretty magnificent ways, right? This is kind of what it's like when you're sharing about a struggle that you're going through in your life and somebody just says, um, but God is so good. Just have more faith. It's all going to work out in the end. And in version two, I could settle into some pretty honest self-evaluation that gets me stuck in guilt and toxic shame. And neither of those versions are helpful. Personally, I come by gratitude and faith very easily, and I don't exactly know why. Some people might call it a gift. Some people might call it a curse. But for those of you who've showed up to me with the things that you're struggling with, you know that I don't sugarcoat things. I'm able to hold space. I'm able to empathize or understand uh, your hardships. I don't pretend like they're not happening. I have this innate ability to experience the goodness of God in it all, though. 
you can show up and, and be honest and vulnerable, uh, but I'm also going to help understand where God is, where he's at, what, what is he doing? And maybe that's because I personally feel like I've been rescued from a personal hell. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but the truth is that we all suffer. We all experience hardships and trials in our lives. Each one of us is struggling with something or someone. My suffering doesn't negate your suffering and your suffering doesn't diminish mine. But something I want to really sit with today is how grateful are we for our suffering? Do you celebrate them? Do you ignore or repress them? Do you sit in the suffering and define yourself and God by those things? I think that there is this balance between dis dismissing the suffering and wallowing in it, sitting in it. And just like anything, there's a fine line that we walk as believers to recognize the pain, the pain uh, to experience it, and then to move through it honestly, praising God for his goodness. There's a way to see the story that I started off with um, as all bad or all good. What we want to do, though, and what I want to help us understand how to do is see things for the reality that they are and still praise God in the middle of them. Because God doesn't change because we don't like our circumstances. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. And so if neither of the versions that I started the sermon with are what we're meant to do with our lives, what is helpful? What is a way to manage ourselves in this broken and often disappointing world where things just don't go the way that we want them to most of the time? <laughs> I see a clear answer to this in Psalm 103. We don't have certainty about who wrote this psalm, but it's believed to be David. And we don't know exactly when it was written. What we do know is that it was comp compiled into the book of Psalms during the Israelites' exile in Babylon. The Israelites had sinned, and so God had removed them from the promised land of Israel and placed them in Babylon, which was a place of isolation and suffering. They had hoped in being in this promised land for so long. And now they were unable to be there. In the midst of the Israelites' exile, they're praising God, though. And you're gonna, we're going to read it together. They're praising God's goodness. The Israelites, they're not denying they're in exile. They're just recognizing that while they're in exile, God is still good. So all throughout Christian, Christian history, Babylon has become this analogy of a place that we don't belong but a place where we wait for God to fulfill his promise to take us home. And I want to encourage you today that as you are waiting for the Lord to show up in your life, as you're struggling through this issue that you have with something or someone, I want to invite you to think about how you can praise God. While you're waiting for the Lord to show up, how can you see his truth? How can you see that play out for you? So what I'm going to do for the remainder of our time together is that um, I'm going to go verse, uh, go through the verses of Psalm 103. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to give you a little bit of structure to this psalm because it's kind of broken up into chunks. Verses 1 through 5 is this internal call to worship, talking to self. 
loving the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then verses 6 through 10 is this external call to worship. 11 through 19 is all about who God is. And then 20 through 22 is a call to praise. The primary thing that I want us to see in Psalm 103 today is that we are meant to have praise always on our lips. We are meant to praise God in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation. So let's go ahead and jump into the verses together. Psalm 103, verse 1 starts with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. I'd like to pause right here. What benefits? This was sung by people who were not experiencing God's benefits. In that moment, they're in exile, wishing, longing, desiring to be home. But the psalm begins by saying, praise God. Praise God with everything inside of us. All of us. Okay, not just a little bit of us, not a part of us, not like only for an hour on Sundays. <laughs> Praise God with everything and not for some idle or unknown reason, but because the psalmist goes on to tell us why, the benefits, the reason behind it. I love this because I am forever and always, I want all of the information all of the time. Tell me all of the details, always and forever. I actually, my grandpa used to get so frustrated with me because I, he would like tell a story and I would say, well, why? What did you guys do that for? Tell me more. And he would say, oh, with your darn questions. And he would cuss a little bit because he's like a Southern hillbilly. And he would say, just, just stop it with that. And I also experienced that a little bit in my personal relationships where people get a little bit annoyed because I just want like all the information. So here the psalmist is going to tell us there are benefits to following God. There are benefits in just having God in your life. And he's going to tell us. He gives this to us. Two, forgiveness of our sins. He starts with the gospel. He starts with salvation. This is where he begins. Thank God for forgiveness. Verse three, who pardons all your inequities, who heals all your diseases. These are the benefits. He offers forgiveness, he pardons inequities, he heals our diseases, and furthermore, our diseases. He not only can and does heal diseases of the body, we have seen miracles and miracles of healing here at Life Church Livonia in just our small community, but he also brings healing to our dis-ease. When we come before him with the things that cause us stressors in our lives, he heals them through our anxieties and unmet expectations, through our pride and lust, the things that cause dissonance and discomfort of our normal routines. These healing of our diseases are not always physical. They are sometimes, but these spiritual diseases. God will heal our body, mind, heart, and spirit. And the kingdom of heaven comes into place of that emotional healing. Thank God for healing. Verse 4, redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Continuing with the benefits, he offers forgiveness, he pardons inequities, he heals our diseases, and he redeems your life, my life, from the pits. There is redemption of life. From death, absolutely right? For eternity, but also for the here and the now. God wants you to have redemption today. There's this hope. 
Here it talks about he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. This, um, this compassion, this word is the ability to co-suffer with others. And loving kindness, this is, um, this is God's covenant. He's shown us that he wants us. He desires us. He longs to be with us. And he's with us. So loving kindness is the committed love, the agreement, and the action is the compassion. It's that co-suffering. He's there with us. And he offers this redemption. So we thank God for redemption. Verse 5, he satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. This idea is one that you're getting older, but you're feeling younger because of the sweetness of God's love. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. There's a freedom. There's a comfort. And there's a joy in being in the presence of God where you relinquish this hold of the stressors of this world because you see the good things of God. You're able to experience hardship and say that you can work through them because you've seen that you've done it. And as you get older and older, well, there are like aches and pains and like, I know I'm still pretty reasonably young, but like my body hurts a little bit more and I kind of sometimes like roll out of the bed because it's just easier. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone because I have talked to some of you. But when we think about little kids and the joy that they have on their faces when they experience something new or, or for the first time, how fun is that to experience that? And that's what God gives to us through our years of following him, of experiencing hardship and getting through it and seeing God is so good to us. I also know some adults who also experience things with this like pure joy and gladness and it's just fun to be around. And that's what God offers to us as well. This, this renewal that is a pleasure and a joy. Thank God for his renewal. Verse 6, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgment for all who are oppressed. Slavery, war, manipulations from systems. The good news is that justice is inevitable. The kingdom is coming and no one will get away with anything. And this is good news. And I want to stop here a little bit because people often wonder where God is. Why does he let these bad things happen? Hellacious situations that we can look at today in this world. And I'm not going to take a deep dive because this is like a whole sermon series, I think. But I can't pass by this verse and not talk about the injustices of this world. The oppression that still exists today. In World War II, during the Holocaust, we can see in the concentration camps, these are an easy place to look to say, where was God? Where is he? Does he make these things happen? He certainly allows these things to happen, but why? And I don't know the exact reason. I have my own perspective on it, and there's varying theological debates about it, so I'm not going to get into it. But I do see God redeem the suffering of my own life on a personal scale, that the bad things that happened to me or because of the decisions I made, that God has redeemed them. God has provided a way out. He's provided a gift and a freedom, a healing. 
So I, I, I was reading this book. I love World War II, and not that I love World War II, but I love um, the story of understanding the history behind it. And Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betsy were held at this Nazi concentration camp. And on her deathbed, Betsy whispered to Corey, we must tell people what we've learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Talking about God. She says to her sister, they will listen to us, Corey, because we've been there. For the rest of Corey's life, she traveled the world telling the story of God's presence and faithfulness, even in the worst of places. God's righteousness rescues the oppressed, rescues the abused, the hurting, and he meets us in our deepest pits because he is deeper still. Verse 7 says, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the Son of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. That loving kindness is God's longing, desire, covenant, commitment to be with us. And he's slow to anger. Verse 9 says, He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our inequities. So anger, I just want to touch on this. I love emotions. I think emotions are not right or wrong. They're just true or untrue. It's what we do when we experience that emotion. Do we ignore it, repress it, uh, and, and not have any understanding of it? Or do we recognize that we're having a feeling and try to work through it? And so anger, when God has anger, he's not frivolous with that anger. He experiences it. He's God. He's perfect. So <laughs> we could only hope to be able to manage our feelings the way that God does. And that's part of what we're supposed to do. But anger is not right or wrong. It's just true or untrue. Uh, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was came out of a mother's anger about her daughter uh, being killed by a drunk driver. And that was good. It creates this passion, this motivation. It was a good uh, encourager to her. She used that anger for a good and righteous purpose. Whereas some people have anger and they lash out and they don't handle that anger well. It takes hold of them. And so that could be like, you know, the school shootings that are happening that are wrong, sinful. That is anger not cared for well. God does not find fault with us or begrudge us the way that he can, that he should. He's not going to hold on to the things that we've done wrong. We see that. In verse 10, he says, he's not done with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our inequities. He's not going to do it. And that offers you freedom and hope, you guys. That offers me freedom and hope. This is good news, and it's also a little bit of bad news. No one gets away with anything. That includes you. That includes me. It continues with the good and hopeful news, though. In verse 11, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness, his committed love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is an infinite love. It has no bounds. This idea of infinity, east from the west, it's a place that never meets. 
finding the literal furthest place from Livonia, Michigan. I Googled it, I researched it, and it is 11,123.68 miles. It is Perth, Australia. And of course I was like, well, how long would it take to like uh, walk there or drive a car there? And there is literally no way, I Googled it. I Googled how long does it take to walk there and there was no route. That's like God's love for us. That's like what he does. He's just like, there is no route there. There's nothing that, that could ever meet my love for you. It's infinite. The goodness of God, he doesn't limit the grace that he's poured out to us. He creates a space in between. Verse 13, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It's this understanding of who God is. His, his character, his integrity. He is perfect. He is blameless. He is just and righteous and compassionate. And sometimes people get really offended by this idea of God, that you can't go to heaven unless you uh, accept Jesus. And, and I have had conversations with people and people are offended by that. There's this exclusive nature to following God and, and, and surrendering your life and accepting Jesus. And that is true. It is exclusive, but it's also inclusive. Anyone has access to him if they receive Jesus as their savior. It's like an email. It's like a, a, a Kidoba email uh, subscription. Everybody could sign up, but you're not going to get the coupons unless you sign up. It's, it's, uh, so inclusive, but it is exclusive. Following Christ. Verse 14, for he himself knows our fame. He's mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And it's a place. Acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Everybody dies. Everything passes away. We return to dust. Even the author who didn't have our specific leg legacy of theology or our experience or understanding of life, even he understood that things fade away. We have access to the ever-present covenant of the Lord when we follow, obey, and surrender to his will for our lives. In verse 19, it says the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts. You who serve him, doing his will, bless the Lord all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This psalm ends with this blessing of communal, not personal or individualized blessing. It's about the heavenly angels, the hosts of all creation. All of you and this world are works of his it's not a selfish or self-focused blessing or praise. It is a communal perspective. I'm praising God. We all are his. And we all worship him and praise him together. Praise, it takes our eyes off of us, okay? And it places our eyes on the clarity of God. 
This psalm ends with us focusing on all of creation. And when we do this, okay, in actual and practical ways, if you go outside and you look at the grass and you count the blades or you look at the stars and you count the stars or you're sitting on the beach, it's summer, go to the beach, guys, it's beautiful out there. Get an umbrella if you don't like the sun. And you count the sand, the grains of sand. We can see our finite personhood in this world. We can get out of that which feels so overwhelming. And we can rest in this place of reflecting on what actually matters. So often, some of us think that the absence of suffering, that's the point of our life. You can hear it in our prayers many times where we're saying, heal them, make this feel better, stop the pain. That's not what we see in scripture, though. It's not what we experience in real life. In John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I said it the last time I preached, and I'll probably say it for all of the times that I ever get an opportunity to talk to you. What if we prayed different prayers? What if we prayed to be shaped into the people that God has called us to be? What if we ask God to help us be different because of our circumstances? What if we praise God instead of asking for the removal of the suffering, but just thank God for his goodness? Psalm 103 is exclusively praise. It's sung by the Israelites in the middle of their exile, their suffering. So many of us have these unanswered prayers, these unknowns, these struggles that we have. And I'm here to tell you, and many of you can attest, God will take his time. Because he doesn't have not suffering as the goal. His glory is the goal. His kingdom coming to earth, that is the goal. He's not simply answering our prayers or making the pain stop. God has absolute healing in mind for us. Not just giving his kids whatever they want. He has growth, love, encouragement. He has these abundant blessings in mind. He wants good and perfect things for us. He wants to make us good and perfect people. And not perfect the way that we have interpreted perfection, but perfect like whole. That healing that we long for and desire and actually need so that when our circumstances are a hot mess around us, we can have stability. It doesn't mean that we deny that we're struggling. I struggle regularly with the worrying thoughts and the anxious mind. And I have to take a minute and sit down and say, what is going on inside of me? I promise when you know and experience the goodness of God, you can see goodness in every circumstance. Even when it's a terrible circumstance, you stop questioning God's character. That's emotional and spiritual maturity, you guys. This isn't to say that we should live in denial of the difficult or painful experiences. If any of you have talked to me for any point of time, you know that I am not uh, dismissive or ignoring or repressive of the hardships of this life. I think we need to be honest about them. Make space, talk about them. Be honest about what we're struggling with. Even when we look at the verse I quoted above, it says you will have trouble. Jesus does not encourage us to deny the suffering. What he says is don't forget. Don't lose hope. Remember me. 
I've overcome it all and you have access to me. I started the sermon out with a fun little illustration about my DUI. I prettied it up and then we took a second peek at the story, which is a little bit more intense and serious. And the truth is that with, as with many things, it's a both and. Okay, it was an intense and serious and horribly uncomfortable story. It was scary, it was costly, and I felt very, very lonely in that whole journey, in that whole process. And also, it was a gift. It was a privilege and has become a beautifully redeeming story. One that God has offered hope to other people through. Because it's because of this real and actual pain, this hardship. I was very unwell. I was very lonely. I, I hurt. And it's because of those feelings that I've been able to experience and I'm able to show up with other people compassion, that co-suffering, that I can, I can show up for you guys. I can show up for family and friends. The Lord is the whole picture here, you guys. So I shared this version, these two different pictures, and, and God is it. God is every, God is it, the whole picture, the whole thing. And as we learned and heard from Nate last week, it's a, it's a both light and dark, the intimacy of honesty and praise for knowing who God is. So how? You guys are like, how though? (laughs) How do you praise God when your spouse leaves you? When your parents get a divorce? When your friends are talking about you behind your back? When, When your kids are making horrible life decisions and creating unnecessary hardships for themselves? When you get laid off? When you can't find real meaningful community and you're so lonely, how do we praise? What does it look like to worship God? In the Old Testament, we see praise as a sacrificial offering. And when we praise God, we give something to him to say thank you. So we can give an offering of our time. We can sit in the Lord's presence, reflect we can uh, give an offering of our voice. We can sing songs. We can, we can praise him through, through music and melody. We can give an offering of our finances. We can give. We can give to our local church. We can give to an organization that's doing beautiful and amazing things that we want to be a part of. Or you can give an offering of your energy. Serve somewhere. Here at Life Church Livonia, we have ample room. We have ample places for you to serve. You can help write name tags. You can uh, help with the worship team. You can serve our kids and our youth in discipling them so that they can do these very things that you are learning to do as well. We all fall short. We all need more of Jesus and more of God in our lives. And if you're not following Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ before, and invited him in, I just want to give you an opportunity to recognize that he longs for you. He longs to provide a loving kindness relationship, one of compassion and grace. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to wrap up our service. But I just want to thank you guys so much for being here and for uh, celebrating who God is and being in his presence and knowing his goodness and remembering to have praise ever on your lips, ever on your heart, to know who God is ultimately in his character. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the way that you show up in our lives, that you offer us redemption. 
And for those who are listening right now, Lord, who've never surrendered their lives to you, I invite them into a place where they can accept and surrender that Jesus Christ was a real man who lived a perfect life. And he gave up his life as an offering for our sin that he died a brutal and gruesome death on the cross and that he was buried and three days later he rose again, defeating death for all of us who so believe in him and that sacrifice. And I ask that those who are listening right now, Lord, that they would receive that as their truth, that they would understand that there is a different way to live fully surrendered to you, accepting that sacrifice for their sin for the way they fall short and that they depend on you for redemption and freedom today and for all of eternity, Lord. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or made any movement in your walk with the Lord or have questions, fill out our connection card on our digital bulletin and let us know because we'd love to partner with you. Thank you guys so much for being here and we look forward to seeing you next weekend. Bye.